0: Good morning, Lincoln Avenue. Open your Bibles to the Book of Galatians. Galatians. So you'll notice it's different every week, and so normally ninety-eight uh, percent of the time uh, we are going through series. And so, like for the last year or so, we've been in the Book of Matthew, and then all summer we were in the Book of Proverbs. And so, mainly that's how we function at Lincoln Avenue. Uh, however, we are in the middle of this uh, Zume push, this uh, discipleship program, and so because of that, what I'm trying to do is whatever we are, whatever tool we're promoting um, that day in our small groups, so today in our small groups, I try to find a scripture passage that helps us with that tool, okay? So that's why we are in the book of Galatians, Okay. So what I want to do is I want to read to you Galatians 5, 26 through 6, 5. Uh, So the last verse of 5 and then the first five verses of 6 is where we're going to be. I want to read that to you. We're going to pray. And then I I want to try to explain to you the tool for this week and then why I chose this passage, okay? So it'll be a little bit of explanation, but I I think it'll be good to do that for us. And so... If you would like to stand, you may do so at this time. We're going to read the Word of God, and then I will pray, and then you can be seated, and then we'll jump in, okay? And so Galatians chapter 5, and I'm going to begin in verse 26. It says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression," pray for help this morning, for guidance, for illumination. God, to, Lord, we I love it the way you open our eyes to the scriptures, the way you um, make things make sense in our hearts. And God, I pray for that this morning, that you would do just that in us. And God, that you would give us a will to obey. God, give us a desire to be obedient, a desire to do risky things, scary things to us in the, in the name of Honoring you and of growing to be more like Jesus and of finishing the mission, Father, we pray it in Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, you can be seated. All right, so this is our second week in uh, in small groups focusing on uh, our Zume uh, discipleship training. If you look in your bulletins, you'll notice there this 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 little thing right here. It's got on one side the Soaps Bible training method. It's got on the other side. Um, the accountability questions, okay? Now, last week was the SOAPS Bible training, right? That was our tool for last week. It's it's basically you read a chapter of Scripture. By the way, you might have saw 25 chapters. I'm sorry. I forgot to take that out. Uh, that's part of the Zoom A program. I didn't mean for that to be in there for you. I knew that might kind of scare some folks. So however many, whatever you're reading, okay? So let's say you're reading one chapter. So you read it and then you write down the, a scripture that sticks out to you. You know, usually when you read a chapter of the Bible, there's one verse. that's like, oh, man, that's a good one. You know, oh, that really convicted me. Or, oh, wow, that really helps me. All right. So you pick that one and you write it down in your journal, notebook, Big Chief tablet, phone. Uh, if you're a carver, you can carve it in a rock if you want take a little longer. Uh, whatever you want to do. Right. So you write it down. And then O, make some observations. That's pretty much like, what does this say? Like, what's it teaching? What, what's the main point? What's, what is it in your own words? Write down some observations. Then A, application. We always want to apply the Scriptures. We, don't, we want to be obedient, right? We're not just reading the Bible just to know things. We're reading the Bible to obey Jesus. So how do I obey Jesus in this Scripture, okay? And then P would be prayer. I don't know about you guys, but I like to pray the Word of God. And I always need help in application. I always need help in obedience. So that gives me a chance. Lord, thank you for this truth. Here's what I learned. Here's what I know I need to do. Would you help me? Right? And then S is share. We always want to share with others the incredible things that God teaches us in his word, right? Who can I share that with? You just put down somebody's name that you think you could share this truth with. So it really keeps us in the Bible. Now, why did I put it in again this week? It's not our tool this week. You know why? I wanted to make sure you didn't think we're only studying the Bible one week, right? No, 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 no. This is the rest of your life, right? If you're a Christian, it's what we do, right? This is God's word. And so so I, I just wanted to remind you, hey, that's not just last week. Last week was kind of we were focusing on that tool, be able to put it in your toolbox. But we want you to study the Bible the rest of your Christian life, okay? Now today, on the other side, you'll find accountability questions, all right? That's going to be our, our tool for today. Now, now again, don't let any of this be intimidating to you, okay? So so let, let me just say some things about Zoom. I should have said this at the very beginning, and I just didn't, and I'm sorry. This is not a new thing we're doing at Lincoln Avenue. You know what we're doing at Lincoln Avenue today? You know what we're doing in our small groups? We're going to try to obey Jesus and follow Him. How long have we have been doing that, guys? That's what we've been doing. That's why this church exists, right? All Zume is is a group, a variety of tools that actually aren't new to Lincoln Avenue. Okay, Let me tell you where these tools came from. A lot of them from the Bible, but when they were packaged, a guy named Curtis Sargent worked for the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. He was in China, and what he found was he was on these islands of China, and he found that like, he might win one or two believers on this island, but there was nobody else on the island. And so he needed some tools to be able to give them, to be like, okay, you know, here's, here's how you can grow in your walk with Jesus. Here's how you can learn to follow Jesus and tell others about him and build a church, and then he goes off to the next island. Right? And so that's where these tools came from. We met Curtis in Alabama, me, Daniel, and Andrew 10 years ago or so, plus maybe. And uh, we, we met him there. A lot of these tools we were already using, but he had them kind of packaged together and we tweaked ours. We kind of changed some of the things we did. We changed our God story up quite a bit. You know, from meeting him and rolling them out. Really, the 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 McDonald's DT groups that we do all week, those actually came from that that Medicamp training. It was called Medicamp back then. Somebody said they hated the the word Zume, and I was like, well, call it Medicamp because that's when I learned it 10 years ago, you know? So, so then Curtis, who's a good missionary, he's not very good like on the web, things like that. So he calls our buddy Kylan in North Africa, right? One of our mission partners. And, and he says, hey, could you guys package this together so we could send it all over the world? Anybody that has Internet access, right? And so you know what, you know what our buddy does? He calls. Who would you call if you're going to do that? Chris Castor, right? He calls Chris Castor. So Chris does all the production work. If you're watching those videos, all that was produced by Chris. So, Chris does all the production work. He called in Daniel, you know, who would you call if you're Chris? Daniel to do something creative, right? Daniel did some of the voice stuff, did some of the, you know, so I think they called in Nathan. So they produced this thing and, and kind of packaged it up to be able to send it out to the world. And then, and then, you know what they did? They said, hey, Lincoln Avenue, would you, would you try this in your church? See, like, we know it works in third world countries where there's no Christians and this is all people got. What would it be like to incorporate it into church? So, what do we say? So, we'll give it a try. Right? So that's where all this came from. I just—I should have told that story at the beginning. I just, I don't know. I'm always short on time. Have you guys noticed that? And so anyway, but some of the reports I got from this week was, what are you trying to do, Pastor Jason, rolling out this strange named thing, you know? Are we all going to wear bed sheets and hand out roses at the airport, you know? What are you doing, you cult leader? And I, no, this is just, I never can anticipate. I just can't anticipate it. I th- always think I can, and I can't. So, whew, whew, we're halfway done. Oh, no, I'm halfway done with my time, and I ain't even started my sermon yet. All right. So, today, the accountability questions. All right. So, this is our tool for today. Now, now what are, again, not new. If you've been around here a long time, you remember these... Uh, uh, we used to get them from Man in the Mirror. They were little blue cards for guys, yellow cards for gals. Anybody, Jack, you remember those? Uh, I got them from Doc, actually. Doc's the one who gave them to me. And I get, we, we bought 1,000 of them, gave them out. You know, there they're, they were ways for a couple guys to get together, you know, during the week and, and help each other in their faith, kind of keep each other accountable, right? So so we've been doing accountability questions for a long time. But what is an accountability group? Well, it's usually you and one other person. I really wouldn't go past two if I were you, my my feeling. Uh, I think it's one or two people who would get together on a regular basis and, and ask each other questions that would help grow you in Christ. Like, how are you doing in this area? How can I help? How can I pray for you? How are you doing in this area? How can I help? How can I pray for you? How are you doing in this area? You know, that basically, that's an accountability partner. Now, if you read these questions, don't be scared. Here, I thought, man, we're going to kill small groups tonight, okay? Because I thought, here's what, here's what some people might think. You might, you might work down your way down the list, and you might read this one. Have you been exposed to sexually alluring material or allowed your mind to entertain inappropriate sexual thoughts? Okay, here's what I was afraid of. You might think, I ain't going to small group tonight, you know, because they're going to ask me that question. You know, some of you got like 30 people in your small group, and, you know, it's like the spotlight's on you. Have you, you know, or there's one about have you been dishonest, you know, or have you, have you, have you complained or grumbled? Spotlight, bing, you know, and you're like, I ain't doing that, you know. Oh, right? No, 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 you won't do that in your small groups, okay? So all small groups hear that. Fred, you hear that? Don't do that. Karen, tell Fred what I just said. Don't do that in your small group, all right? Like, like that. That's not what. Now tonight we're going to discuss accountability. You know, we're going to discuss like, okay, what's hard about this? What which of these questions are really challenging? You know, we're going to discuss it, but we're not going to have an accountability part, group. You know why? Because that that really needs to be you and another person, or you and maybe two other people at the most. Okay. Now, whew, again, not new. This is not new stuff. Uh. This is, this is biblical stuff. Let's listen to Hebrews 3.13. What do you think they're doing here? Hebrews 3.13. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called the day, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. How do you do that verse right there? How do you exhort somebody day after day so that nobody is hardened by the deceitfulness, the trickiness of sin? How do you do that? This is how you do that. You, you do that through relationships where you're saying, Hey, how are you doing in your faith? How are you doing in this area? How are you doing in that area? Man, you, you, I've been living this way. I need help here. Okay, that, that's, that's, this is how we do that. Okay, now the question, why did I pick Galatians 6? Okay, if we ever get to the sermon today, why did I pick it? Well, because I think we need to discuss what do we do when somebody says to us, man, I've stumbled into sin. Would you help me? <gasps> what do you do? So, so if we actually take this serious, so for instance, you're going through these questions with your buddy, and one of them is, have you been dishonest or word or action or exaggerated? And what about when your buddy says, man, I'm just tore up over this, but I outright lied. I outright lied to my wife, and I, I've actually been lying to her for a couple weeks. Or I, I outright lied to my boss, and I've been, I've been lying to my boss for several weeks. What do you do? Let me tell you what you don't do. You don't pat them on the back and say, that's all right, just cover your tracks, buddy. This is not like a buddy system where it's like, hey, well, me too, I lie all the time. Don't do that. Don't go the other way either. Don't don't go, you big sinner, you, I've never in my life, you know. You're horrible. Not shame. Shame. Not what the Pharisees did. Do you guys remember the Pharisees in John 8? Caught this woman in adultery. What'd they do? They drug her right out in the public square. Each one of them grabbed a good throwing rock. Had their arms cocked. Hey, Jesus, this is what we do to people we find in sin, right? Remember what Jesus did? Knelt down, started writing something in the dirt. What'd he write? Nobody knows. It's going to be one of the great questions of heaven, you know? Like, Jesus, what did you write? I got my I got my ideas about what he wrote. I think he's looking at these guys, and he you know he's God got you know connection with God. So he's he's like, yeah, you remember this, buddy? <laughs> you know. But here's what we know: one by one, they put down their rocks, and they walk away. And then Jesus says, "Who is it that condemns you? Go and sin no more." Right? Okay. So don't be like the Pharisees. So. How how should we respond? That's really why I picked Galatians 6 is because I think this, this passage teaches us how do we respond? What's our goal? Galatians 6.1. Let's put that up on the screen, Kenny. Galatians 6.1 says, Brothers, if any of you is caught, you now don't, don't, uh, caught is a good word, but it could be mistaken. I, I don't think it means like you catch somebody, like, aha, I caught you. I think it means I'm stuck, okay? So in the King James Version, it says overtaken. What does that mean? That, like, you Man, you got overtaken by sin. Like you, you fell into sin, right? Like you tripped up. You blew it. You're stuck, okay? If anyone is stuck in any transgression, you who are spiritual should, everybody say it together, restore. That's what we do. That's what we do. That, that's our goal, okay? What do we want to be for each other? We want to be people who learn to restore one another. The word "restore" means to mend, to fix. It was used for fishermen to fix their nets, to restore their nets. They would mend them when they were torn. It, it was used actually for doctors when they would set a broken bone. Right? So, so it's like something's broken, and you're helping to fix it. All right? When someone falls into sin, their relationship with God is broken. Their relationship with other people is broken. And what are you going to do? You're not there to condemn. You're not there to judge. You're not there to say it's okay. You're there to help them fix that, right, to restore that. Now, you know what the big obstacle is going to be? This thing will never get off the ground if we're a bunch of pretenders, okay? If we're a bunch of pretenders, this thing will get no traction, all right? And, and, and the Bible is really clear about it. it's a dangerous thing to just be a pretender, okay? So so Proverbs 28, 13 Here's what it says. It says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. So if you're a person that you're just always hiding, you're just always hiding your sin, you're always pretending that you haven't sinned, you're always living one way, and then as soon as you get around your Christian brothers and sisters, you're just pretending like that way doesn't exist, like that you doesn't exist. That You're never going to get anywhere. You're not going to prosper. 1 John chapter 1. Really, the whole whole first chapter is really about this, okay? And, and John describes it as you're either living in the light or you're living in the darkness, okay? When you're, when you're in the light, you're just, you're honest. You're honest with God, you're honest with others, you're transparent. When you're living in the darkness, what are you doing? You're hiding something, okay? So listen to what John says. He says in 1 John 1, 7, uh, if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another. and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses from all sin. We need to walk in the light. Verse 8, if we say we have no sin, right? So if, if, if your idea of accountability group, um, I actually had a guy like this in seminary. <laughs> uh, if your idea of it is, is like I share with you, like, man, I'm struggling in this area, I'm struggling in this area, I'm struggling in this area. And then with your turn, you're like, dude, I, I knocked them all out of the park every week, you know? Have you, have you grown, how about this one? Have you complained or grumbled? Never, never once, you know. Have you maintained a thankful heart? I am always thankful all the time. Well, I don't think this is going to work because you're a liar, okay? All right, because the Bible says you're a liar. Right, Right here, verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all. That's what, that's what bringing it in the light is. It's confessing it. It's being real about your sins. Okay? So, next step. Who? Who, who should be a part of this? Okay? First of all, let, let me tell you very clearly from Scriptures, this is not for unbelievers. Okay? So, not, not only is it, an, an unbeliever is completely un, ill-equipped to help you with this, but you're actually not supposed to point out the sins of unbelievers, like, like not as your job. Like that, that's, not, that's not what this is about. L- let's, listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5. Uh, he's, talk, he's talking about a brother who's fallen into sin and the church is restoring him. And in verse, verse uh, 9, I believe it is, he says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy or the swindlers or the idolaters, since then you would have to go out of the world. Okay, see what he's saying? He's saying, you're not supposed to be the kind of guy that walks around the world and says, sin, 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 sin. You know, you watch TV, sin, sin, sin. Okay, that's actually not very helpful. That's that's not what Paul's talking about. Paul's saying we should judge the church, uh, us, okay? We should be, why why us? Who's got Jesus? We do. Who has the Holy Spirit? We do. Who actually has the power to be transformed? Guys, hear this out. A lost person, a person without Jesus, does not have the power to be holy. They don't have the power to be sanctified. They don't have the power to be transformed. Okay, so this is for believers. And not just believers, but notice, put put verse 1 back up there, Kenny. Galatians 6, 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are, it's kind of an interesting word, isn't it? Spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. You're spiritual. What's a spiritual person? It's somebody who's indwelt with the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, and bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Right. It's someone who's walking in obedience to Jesus. Right. And so if you're walking in obedience to Jesus, then you should care about the lives of other people. Now, as we look at this passage, let me just tell you right off the bat, I'm just going to I'm not going to work through it because we don't have time. I'm going to tell it to you and we're going to explain it. But Paul is saying this, if you're going to be of any use to anybody else spiritually, if you're going to help anybody out of their sin, there's one thing you've got to have. Humility, okay? There's one thing that will mess this up terribly. There's one thing that will cause you to hurt other people instead of help them. Pride, okay? Now, you'll notice at the last verse of of chapter 5, Paul says, Don't be prideful. Don't be conceited. Okay, and then he starts out in verse one, if anyone's caught in any transgression, you are spiritual should restore him in spirit of gentleness. And then he starts talking about humility. Keep watch on yourself, lest you be tempted. And, and then in verse three, if anyone thinks he's something, when he's nothing, he deceives himself. And then in verse four, let each one of you test his own work and then you'll have reason to boast uh, will be in himself alone and not in his, lay, in, in his neighbor. So the first thing Paul says is keep watch on yourself. Now, why is he saying keep watch on yourself? You, you're, you're meeting with somebody and they, they, they spill it out. Man, I'm, I'm in sin. I'm, I'm living in sin. Why does Paul say, hey, you need to be careful of yourself? You know why? Because none of us are too big to fall. 1 Corinthians ten twelve. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. You're not too smart. You're not too wise. You're not too godly to not have to guard yourself against sin. You shouldn't think of yourself that way. You don't love Jesus. You don't love God more than David. You don't, you're not wiser than Solomon. You're, you, you, haven't, you haven't been with God more than Moses. Okay. And you know what? David fell with Bathsheba. Solomon fell with foreign wives. And Moses got angry and struck the rock and missed the promised land. Right. Those guys stumbled. So can you. And so, so Paul is saying, you need to have the attitude in these kind of relationships that, you know what? I... I, I am not immune to sin. I'm a sinner, right? Not only does Paul say, I'm a sinner, but look what he says in verse three. Okay, this is, this is gonna go against what your mama said, so I'm really sorry, okay? All respect to your mothers, okay? Mothers are supposed to be this way, but Paul's gonna disagree with them, okay? Your mother told you what? You're the best thing since sliced bread, right? You're, you're awesome, you're wonderful, you are a perfect little angel of light, you beautiful little precious thing, right? Aren't they great? Here's what Paul says about you. Verse three. If anyone thinks he's something, he's nothing. All right. Paul says, if you think you're something, man, you, you got you got to get your theology, right? You are nothing. Now I know that doesn't fly in our self esteem driven culture, does it? Like, like our self esteem driven culture, we want to tell ourselves all well, the time I'm special and I'm entitled and I'm worthy and I've got rights and I'm empowered and I'm strong and unique. And Paul says, No, you're nothing. All right? No, 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 Paul didn't have like this complex or something. Listen to the way he talks though this is ephesians three eight to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given. Did you hear what Paul said there he he says when you when you when you line up all the Christians and and rank them number one, number two, number three, where's Paul? He's the last one. Did you hear what he said about himself, I'm the very least of all the do you guys remember first Timothy one fifteen where he says, I'm the chief of sinners I'm the foremost, I'm the worst. Now, again, does Paul have like an inferiority complex? Does he have a self-esteem problem? No, he does not. Okay, you know how I know he doesn't? Have you read his letters? You know what kills me? My family brought this up the other day. We were studying the Bible in our family Bible study, and one of my girls brought this up. They said, man, I can't believe that Paul says, imitate me. He does that a bunch. He's like, hey, do what I do. I'm following Jesus. I mean, that's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? Would you would you do that in your small group? You know, just say, hey guys, just follow me. Do what I do. You see how I treat my family? You do that. Right? I mean, so Paul's pretty bold. He's pretty, but yet theologically, he's got his, he's got things right. You, you know what he's saying? He's saying, theologically, I am nothing by myself. I am everything with Jesus. That's the way Paul says all the time. That's the way he talks. By myself, I'm nothing. With Jesus, I can do all things. John 15, 5, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Philippians four thirteen, written by Paul, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, Paul had this deal figured out as far as humility. Paul had figured out that he, 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 he was nothing on his own. But with Christ, he was everything. Now, why this is so important is because here's the thing about everybody around the world, but particularly Americans, we are all desperately trying to be somebody, right? We're all trying to be somebody. Like we're, it's, it's, it's so thick in America. It's thick around the world, but it, everywhere. It's, it's look at me. I, I am, I'm important, Right? Uh, look at me, I'm, uh, I'm wise. Look at me, look at my family. Guys, you straighten up and behave in here. Look at, all, look at my family, how good they are, you know? Right? Pictures. Has there ever been a culture that took more pictures of themselves than Americans, right? And what do we do when we take a picture? <gasps> <laughs> then we put it online. Look at me, I'm thin, I'm healthy. I don't eat Twinkies. Like, that's what we're trying. To, everybody's trying to be somebody. Okay, now, here's why, here's why Paul says, if anybody thinks he's somebody, when he's nothing. You see why Paul points that out? Because if you try to do this, and you're trying to be somebody, how's that going to go? Somebody's going to say, man, I, I really blew it this week. I, I was harsh with my kids, and man, I, I didn't read my Bible like I should have, and I got mad, and I blew it. If the person they're talking to, if they're still trying to show that they're somebody, what are they going to be like? Yeah, you're pretty bad. I'm sorry you're so bad. How about you? How'd you do this week? I did awesome. Right? Why? I'm somebody. Okay, see, when, when you get your theology right, though, that's not a problem anymore, is it? Because anytime I, I do hit it, all glory to Jesus, right? And I'm compassionate toward those who fail. You know why? Because I know deep down I'm nobody. I'm one step away from blowing it. without Except for the grace of Jesus, I'd be there. Okay, so Paul, Paul wants to make sure we understand that. And then, then he wants to make sure that we don't use this as a comparison tool. You see, if you're trying to be somebody, then you're going to, you know what I'd do? I'd just find somebody worse than me, right? i just find somebody worse than me. And then every week, I'm like, dude, you only read your Bible three times a week. I read my seven. Yeah. Right? You just find somebody worse, and then you feel righteous. But here's where that blows apart, okay? Notice what Paul says. Verse 4. Let each one test his own work. His own work. And then his reason will, to boast will be in himself alone, not in his neighbor. You see that in the text? Not in his neighbor. This is not a comparison tool. You know why? Next verse. Each one has to bear his own load. That word, his own load, is, was used for the military for their personal packs. Okay, so in other words, God is going to judge you based on you, not based on your neighbor. Because you know what's the reality? You got, you got opportunities your neighbor does not have. You, you've, got, you've got education, maybe, your neighbor didn't. You've had, you've had privileges that your neighbor didn't have. You've got a family, maybe, that invested in you, and your neighbor didn't have that. In other words, we're each judged based on us. And you know the thing that I'm a little worried about in judgment is most of the Christian world has suffered way more than we have. Okay? And so we... We may in ways look really good, but we haven't endured that either. And God's going to judge us on us, right? I remember visiting with those Indian pastors. uh, David and I interviewed about 100 of them one day. Almost every family had lost a child, had lost multiple children, had lost all their children, had had children kidnapped. They're just lost. They don't know where they are. That's not us. That's not me. So maybe maybe I'm like, well, God, I've got joy in the Lord most days. And God's looking down and saying, yeah. (laughs) You had six kids, yeah. But then what knocked you out of your joy? Well, they were out of old-fashioned donuts at the donut shop. Jason, you lost your joy. God's like, yeah, I'm going to judge you differently than the old boy that lost his son from a cold because he couldn't get medical care. Each one will bear his own load. Okay, so all, all that to say... Pride is the thing that will mess us up. Humility is the thing that makes us work, okay? Now, how do we do this, okay? So how, how do we do this, okay? So when someone shares with you, man, I've messed up, what, what do we do? Again, we deal with the pride-humility thing. You, you remember what Jesus said about this? He, he said, Matthew 7, 1 through 5, Remember, he said, Judge not lest you be judged. And then he said, Be careful when you go try to take the speck out of, out of your brother's eye. Why? You got a big old two before out of your own eye. What did he say? Do, deal with your two before first and then take care of your brother's speck. Okay? So we deal with humility, peace, and then what do we do? Okay? Three steps here. Okay? You ready? Number one, lead people to repentance. Okay? So when someone shares with you, man, I've fallen into sin, they may already be repentant, but that's step one. Step one is repent, and repentance is you change your mind about sin, about God, and about yourself, okay? Repentance is a, is a turning. It's a turning away from sin. It, it's a change of mind that leads to a change of heart that leads to a change of life, okay? And so, so the first thing we've got to do is get, get this person we're, we're meeting with to agree with God about their sin. And again, they may already. That, that step may be already done when, by the time you talk to them, okay? But, but that's step one they got to agree with God. And and they need to understand the root of their sin. This is one of the things I like to help people with because I like to do it for myself. Whenever I I find myself not where I ought to be, I I ask this question. What am I not believing about Jesus? Now, here's the funny thing. A lot of people people are like, oh, no, I believe everything about Jesus. I've I've just fallen into lying. No, you don't. You don't trust him. That's why you lied. Why did you grumble? Because you didn't trust him. Why are you anxious? Because you don't trust him. Why are you not thankful? Because you don't trust what he said. Like there's always unbelief. Sin it always comes from unbelief. So the first step is lead people to repentance. Lead people to see, okay, what, what are you not trusting about Jesus here? Okay, step number two, lead them to the gospel. All right? Lead them to the, this is the fun part, okay, guys? man, you know what's fun when when you're in this kind of relationship and someone says, man, I blew it and I've repented. I hate the sin. I don't ever want to do it again. I've confessed it to God. Then you know what you get to do? You get to remind them of the colossal payment for sin that Jesus has already made, okay? Now, if you don't hear anything that I say today, but this one sentence, hear this sentence, your bad can never be worse than Jesus' good. Okay? Does that make sense? A lot of people, when they look at their bad, it seems so big, so ugly, so terrible that they can never be forgiven. And that's why they don't want anybody to know it. But what we need to remind people is that Jesus' righteousness, His death on the cross, is worth so much that no matter what kind of bad you've done, it's not bigger than what Jesus can pay for. Okay? So we take them to the cross. We remind them of the resurrection. We remind them that Jesus is not just dead. He's alive, risen from the dead, ascended to the Father. And he tells us in Hebrews, he is interceding for you at this very moment. We remind them of of Jesus' imputed righteousness. A lot of times when people feel they've blown it, they're like, I don't have anything to offer. I don't have, I'm, I'm empty. No, you're not. Because the Bible says in the gospel, once you're joined to Jesus, you are filled with his righteousness. Okay? Is that enough to fill you up? That's like taking this to the Pacific Ocean and saying, Is there enough water in that ocean to fill this bottle? Okay? Jesus' righteousness is the ocean. There's enough to fill you up. All right? You can be righteous in Christ. Folks, it's a powerful thing, it's a beautiful thing to get to. I, I, I love this part. I love when, when people come and say, I've blown it, I love to take them to the gospel and to show them how awesome Jesus is. See, a lot of people's strategy is, is the other way. A lot of times when someone's sin, what, what we think we've got to do is we've got to crush them with the ugly weight of what they've done. We we need to pound the conviction into them, how terrible that was, how horrible that was. We we need to pound them. We need to make them feel so guilty and so shameful that they'll never do this again. There's a couple things wrong with that. Number one, if they are a true believer, I don't think you have to do that. You know what I found about believers? They don't want to sin. If I'm talking to somebody and they're like, yeah, that sin was really funny. I think I'll do it again. I'm sure glad Jesus forgave me. I don't think you know him. My experience with believers is they hate their sin. And they they get convicted. They feel God's heavy hand on them. Psalm 32. That's my experience with believers. I don't think we have to do that. In fact, you, you know what Paul says? This is an interesting passage to me. There's this church in Corinth and there, there um there's been this guy that sinned against the whole church and it was public and it was terrible and 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 they confronted him and guess what? He repented. He repented. And so now you know what Paul says? Second Corinthians two, verse six. He says, Such a one, for such a one, thus punishment by the majority is enough. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. Isn't that interesting? Paul, Paul's like, no, 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 you, you need to make sure this guy knows you love him. But yeah, Paul, but he did this terrible thing that hurt the whole church. Yeah, but he's repented. Well, shouldn't we make him feel bad so he doesn't ever do this again? Paul says, no, you should forgive him. You should reaffirm, reaffirm your love for him. Why? We don't, we don't want him to be stuck in sorrow. Why? Does the gospel bring sorrow? gospel brings joy, does it not? Isn't that where we're in? We, 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 should, we should be joyful as we confess our sins and repent. We should not stay head hung low. There should be a period where we are broken over our sin. But man, once we believe and appropriate the gospel, here's what, here's what Augustine said. He said, Christian confession never stops with, I'm messed up, please forgive me, but it always leads to, I'm forgiven. Hallelujah. That's where it should lead to. It's hallelujah. It should lead to joy. I remember, the, maybe you had the same experience. I remember the first time I read Second Corinthians or Second Samuel, Second Samuel eleven and twelve. It's the story of David and Bathsheba. You guys remember that story? So let me summarize it for you. Chapter eleven, David sins with Bathsheba. He commits adultery. Um, tries to what? Cover his sin. Tries to hide it. Tries to pretend. What happens when you do that? It just gets worse. He ends up sending Bathsheba's husband to the front lines to try to cover his sin. And and Uriah the Hittite, a righteous man, one of David's mighty men, dies in battle on the front lines because David sent him there. Chapter 12, Nathan the prophet comes to do just what we're talking about. He comes to David, tells him a story about this rich guy that had all these sheep, all these lambs. and, And he goes to this poor man, takes his one lamb and slaughters it for his guests. David's like, that dude's terrible. He should die. Nathan's like, you're that guy. David immediately is struck with conviction and grief. God tells him, you didn't trust me. You hated me. That's why you did this. David repents. And the next thing, the next thing that happens is Nathan the prophet says, God has forgiven your sin. I remember the first time I read that, I thought, that's too quick. I did. I, I remember thinking, that's too quick. You know, he, he, man, David did a bad, bad thing. Nathan should have been like, well, we'll just see, you know. We'll see. You, you straighten up, show how sad you are for a while, and we'll see. No, he says, you're forgiven. Psalm 51, when you read about David talking, thinking about that sin, It's funny that Psalm 51 weaves in and out of David being broken, talking about his sin, to hallelujah, you've forgiven me, created me a new, clean heart, restored to me the joy of my salvation. See, that's what the gospel does. That's what you get to do, guys, is you get to lead broken people into the gospel. Okay? It's number one, lead them to repentance. Number two, lead them to the gospel. Number three, sometimes, and here's a hard one, you're going to, have to, you're going to have to bear people's burdens with them, okay? Do you notice what Paul says in verse 2 of Galatians 6? He says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? The law of Christ is the law of love, right? Love the Lord your God with your heart soul, mind, and Christ, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so what, what he's saying is if you're really going to love people, then you've got to learn to bear their burdens in this context, okay? Bear their heavy stuff, all right? Now, what's this heavy stuff? Some of this heavy stuff is heavy stuff because of sin. Did you know that when you sin, you make a mess? Don't you? That's right. Sometimes that mess is big. And Paul's saying, be the kind of person that restores the person who sinned and then helps them carry this ugly, messy stuff, right? Sometimes the heavy stuff is stuff that's just heavy, but it could cause us to sin, right? Maybe somebody's in a terrible marriage. Maybe somebody's in a terrible work environment. Maybe, maybe somebody has trials and sickness and trauma, constant pain and financial catastrophe and depression. And all of that could cause them to sin. Maybe some of it's because of sin. But Paul is saying, help them carry that. Now, how do you do that? How do you, how do you help people carry that heavy stuff? Okay, step one get close. Get close, right? Logan's in the back there. If if Logan's coming in and he's got something heavy and he's straining to carry it, if I stand back here and say, hey, Logan, I'm with you, buddy. I'm I'm with you. I'm helping you in heart. I'm helping you. I'm not helping him. You know why I'm not helping him? I'm not anywhere near him. If you're going to help people carry the heavy loads, you got to get close, relationally close, okay? What does that mean? That means relationship. That means checking in. That means having the kind of friendship where you can say, Hey, man, how's it going? How's the week been? Have you been in your Bible? How's prayer been? How's, how about your thought life? How's that been going? How about, how about your character? Have, have you exaggerated? Have you lied? How about grumbling? Have you been thankful this week? That's close, isn't it? That's pretty close. And then and then once you get close, then you start encouraging, you start listening, you start praying with, you start reminding them. Sometimes you're going to have to restrain them. Sometimes you're going to have to counsel them. Sometimes you're going to have to back them off. I'm so mad, I'm just going to. All right, brother, man, I know. I know. What are you doing? All right, so you're with somebody. I'm so mad, I'm going to quit my job. I've had this before, right? Sometimes they ought to quit, but not because they're angry, right? I'm so mad, so what, what do I do? i got to slide over. Man, tell me about that. What's, what's, what's going on at your job? Man, I'm treated unfairly. This happened. This was unjust. I was cheated out of this. Hey, man, I'm sorry. That's terrible. Hey, I want, I want you to know some things. I want you to know what Jesus said. He said he'd provide for us. I want you to know that Jesus said he's going to take care of you. What am I doing? I'm slipping under the load a little bit, aren't I? I'm going to tell you some things about the Bible that are going to make this a little lighter, right? Bear, Bear their burdens, carry their loads. Man, you got friends like this? If you do, praise God. If you don't, that's what we're working on this week, right? That's what we're working on this week. That's our tool for this week. You need these kind of friends if you're going to be a disciple who makes disciples. Right, let's pray. God, we're asking for this, God. We're asking for, God, people that we could love in this way, people who would love us in this way. God, we're asking for people that we'd be able to share our struggles with. We'd be able to share our burdens and they would pray for us and that they would they would slip under the load and carry it, that they would speak truth to us. God, we need, we need this in our lives. God, we need help. We need help to follow you. Father, we, we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.